0: This episode of Heavy Cardboard is brought to you by BoardGameTables.com. Without question, Chad and his folks go the extra mile to ensure that not only are you getting an amazing quality board game table, but that the entire process is as smooth as a warm knife through butter. So if you're interested, considering, or in the market for a new centerpiece for your game room, head on over to BoardGameTables.com and customize your dream table. I will mention Heavy Cardboard when you do.
1: Heavy Cardboard, Episode 72, Side. Coming to you from the new and improved HCHQ in Denver, Colorado. Welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts. I'm Edward. And I'm Amanda. So, we got a whole bunch more kit now. Yes. Well, more than we had last episode, even.
0: Even more stuff.
1: This time, though, it's all on the video side because, let's face it, there's really not much more we can do for the podcast right now. It, it Don't get me wrong. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. But, yeah, it's all video stuff. So, we bought the parts. To build the new live streaming desktop so we stop having the, you know, technical snafus that we've had both times so far that we've, you know, gone through with the show.
0: Yeah, but everybody seems to like it because they keep saying that they want to throw dollar bills through the screen at you.
1: Because I have to stand up on the table exactly. to turn off all of the cameras. Yeah, yeah. Let's not have to do that anymore <laughs> starting, I don't know, now.
0: Like yesterday? <laughs>
1: So the, some of the stuff, uh, the highlights of the the kit for the computer, the parts. So an i7 7700K 7, processor, 32 gig of 3600 speed RAM, because again, this is four video streams coming in to the computer. A 1060 SSC video card, which might be overkill, granted, because this isn't going to be a gaming computer. But my thinking is I don't want to have a bottleneck anywhere no we so don't just take care of that problem in and of itself and the biggie though is a Magewell hdmi quad capture card so this card arguably is the most important piece of hardware as it takes all four of the video inputs converts them so that we can live stream non webcam cameras and so that they all look good oh speaking of cameras we also bought Two new ones as well. (laughs) So there's going to be two more uh, or two new Canon Vixia cameras in R700 and R800. So now all four of the cameras are going to be 1080p. Three of them are going to be at 60 frames per second. One of them at 30 frames per second. You probably won't even notice the 30 frame one. but
0: Well, and the, the Vixia is what we have now as your player tableau. Uh, camera right and
1: that's going to stay as right. that. and then the two webcams that we were using that were on you me and the mm-hmm. other players those are actually going to go away because those those were just really nice logitech webcams yeah. because frankly we didn't have enough hdmi inputs and the converters are what we're having the problem yep. with and so that's what this Magewell uh capture card does is it's four hdmi streams coming into it and no problems for everything we've read about this. It's all that in a bag of chips, which so
0: exciting.
1: It better for the cost. Oh my <laughs> Lord. But anyway, bottom line is when you next see a live stream from us, it should be amazing.
0: Yes. And speaking of live streams, yes, what do we have coming up, sir? On heavycardboard.com/slash/live, may I say? You tell them, okay. So we have Three Kingdoms Redux.
1: Which it looks like that's shaping up to be Wednesday, May 3rd at 7 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time. That's 1 a.m. for you folks overseas. And by overseas, I mean UTC time. Always UTC. It'll be Mountain Daylight Time and UTC. UTC time.
0: And then next we have Brass Lancashire up.
1: Oh, is that the, the new one from, from Roxley? You know
0: what? I think it might be.
1: Huh. Yeah, we did just get those this well, technically, they were delivered this morning. We didn't see them until this afternoon. Right, but that was actually a surprise because we knew they were going to send us uh, the the next one. We're going to talk about this one. We didn't we didn't know they were sending it, nope. so we were like, "Well, we might as well make use of it." Mm-hmm. So. Even though we did just live stream the original brass, why not do the upgraded version too?
0: Absolutely. We so, have it.
1: Right? Seriously. So that's gonna be Thursday, May fourth at seven thirty PM MDT. That's 1.30 AM UTC.
0: Then we have Brass Birmingham.
1: Which this is the biggie because yeah. no one has really seen this. I know the the fellas over at Man vs Meeple they were showing pictures of it and everything, and they had it on their on their table and right, everything. But nobody's seen it played. Right, and so we're going to teach it and yes. live stream it and and do a full playthrough. And because we care about all our listeners overseas, yes, we're going to be doing this one Sunday, May seventh at noon Mountain Daylight Time. That's six p.m. UTC. So frankly. Y'all have no excuse not to watch it if y'all want to watch it live and be a part of the stream. And let's face it, we want y'all to be a part of the stream.
0: Yes, we want you guys in the peanut gallery because it's a lot of fun in there. It really is. And then we have potentially a couple more. Yes, we do. We have MOA.
1: Right, which is Ape uh, Games.
0: It's a re-implementation.
1: Yeah, it's it's Martin Wallace's re-implementation of Liberté, which right. we really enjoyed Liberté. Yes. And Moa, this is, it's 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 birds.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's birds and, and like wildlife animals. I took a bunch of pictures of the different cards and stuff, and I'm going to put them up on Instagram and on our Facebook page and stuff for you guys to look at them, but the, it, it, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, the, the artwork definitely is cartoony as opposed yeah. to you know, where Liberté, I mean it was right. the French Revolution, right? Right,
0: this is not that at all.
1: No, but that doesn't mean that the gameplay is no. any less for it. If, we have not played it yet. And so we have it one of the prototypes for MAPE Games mm-hmm. and we think, hey, if we like it, we're going to play it once or twice beforehand. But if so, if if everything plays out right and we're like, hey, this is actually really cool, then we're going to live stream it for y'all. Right. Thought that'd be cool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then also maybe Petricore.
1: Yeah, we also have a prototype of that. But man, I got to tell you. Some of the prototypes that we're getting sent and that people are making is just, it's stu- It's production it's, quality yeah. as they prototypes.
0: They don't look like prototypes. They really
1: don't. I mean, it all started kind of with ludicreations and crisis. Mm-hmm. And now uh, David Turtsy sent us his copy of Petracore, which uh, I think is on Kickstarter right now. I, yeah, I think I, it is. I think, I think, it think it's still, still on is. there. Yeah. It, it's crazy how good these look. It's so just amazing. If they were just kind of like, oh, we just grabbed these pieces type thing. Yeah,
0: I mean, it, it doesn't...
1: Then we wouldn't live stream it, but no. these look really pretty.
0: Literally, for a couple of the games, the only things that are kind of wonky are the board. And you the mean, box,
1: you mean like the physical board, The physical
0: board, but and the box? The artwork
1: is amazing, yeah.
0: The artwork's amazing, the bits are amazing, just it's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of effort goes into these prototypes, yeah. and that's why we're willing to show them all. I mean, look at what we did with the live stream on Lisboa, exactly. Right? I mean, outside of some of the houses, right? Outside of that, it was it looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, it, it has all the finished artwork, all these do. Um, yeah, just really excited. So, yep. so yeah, so. So to recap real quick so we're looking at we have three kingdoms redux on wednesday next wednesday well obviously because i guess this will be out on friday yeah uh both the brasses will be thursday and sunday of next week and then possibly moa and possibly PetraCor, plus whatever else we feel like streaming honestly so we
0: got we got may 3rd may 4th may 7th and, and then, then other stuff
1: yep pretty much So, yeah, y'all definitely come join us. Be a part of the live stream. It's really a lot of fun, like Amanda said. Yeah. Well, it's it's always going to be fun for us, and I'm pretty sure it is for the peanut gallery as well. Yeah,
0: they definitely seem to be having fun. Right. put it that way. Seriously. All of the ways to contact us are on our website, heavycardboard.com, and we rely on the generous support from our patrons over on Patreon. If you'd like to join the community, check us out on patreon.com forward slash heavycardboard.
1: So as you all know, we announced the final... Well, you should know that we announced the finalists for the 2016 Golden Elephant Award last week in episode 71. And it just so happens that our friends over at Game Surplus have four of the finalists in stock right now. They really do live up to their tagline of bringing the world of board games to you. So head over to gamesurplus.com and not only take home an incredible game, or two, or three, or, you know, all four... But let them show you what they're best known for, which is unmatched customer service in the industry. That's Gamesurplus.com. And mention heavy cardboard when you do. You ready to break down Scythe?
0: Let's do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, Scythe was released in 2016. It's designed by Jamie Stegmeier. The artwork was by Jakob Rosalski, published by Stonemeyer Games. It plays one to five in about 90 to 120 minutes. The cost is $80 MSRP, but it can be found for a little less online.
1: All right, you want to give folks a brief overview of what's going on inside?
0: Taking place in an alternate history universe in 1920s Europa, Scythe is set in a time of farming and war, broken hearts and rusted gears, innovation and valor. Each player represents a fallen leader attempting to restore their honor and lead their faction to power in Eastern Europa. Players conquer territory, Enlist new recruits, reap resources, gain villagers, build structures, and activate monstrous mechs all in the name of gaining popularity with the people, combat strength, and other resources to score the most victory points and win the game.
1: Alright, let's go ahead and break down what we think the five factors are that give a game its weight. Starting out with complexity, what you got?
0: It's not very complex the rules overhead really isn't that difficult
1: yeah the the what and how of taking actions in the game is is pretty straightforward however i'll be honest that there's enough here that it took me a bit to get a grasp on the interlocking mechanisms and especially the fact that the player boards like what your top Mm -hmm. is is isn't necessary or the tops are all the same but the bottoms aren't necessarily the same and so it wait I can't, oh, wait, no, I don't have that one in right. that type of... That's thing. So, the
0: faction I played last time.
1: Right. So that can be a little bit, you know,
0: yeah. not
1: confusing, but it can take some getting used oh, yeah, to absolutely. on that, yeah, right? Yeah. But I will say, once the mechanisms of what and how are clear, the rules get out of the way and you can pretty much just, just focus on the game. I think solid mid-weight complexity yeah. here.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah.
1: All right. Moving into planning.
0: Because the main focus of the game is moving bits from the top of your board to the bottom while also acquiring stars at the same time, it does p- take a bit of planning, but it's nothing overwhelming.
1: I, I agree that it's not overwhelming, but I do feel like there's there's a fair bit here as you really do have to kind of plan out what you're trying to build and In what order Mm -hmm. so that you know what resources to generate and when to generate them, what order to generate them. And then you have to move your workers around to be able to generate
0: them. And you have to make sure that all your resources that you have gotten are protected because they can be stolen from you.
1: Exactly. And plus, you have to, you know, where to expand and when the when and where mm-hmm. to expand and then are you going to go for the factory and if so you got to time that right yep. to be able to wait if you're weak you need to be able mm-hmm. to to Get out of the way, you know, take it before anyone's yeah, in there. You have because to run may, there real quick. Maybe you can't displace who's already there because you're, if you are weak, if you are strong, maybe you can put it off. But then again, if you put it off, you have to worry about not having as great a choice for the different factory right. cards. Because so, the good
0: ones are going to go quick.
1: Totally. And so, not only that, but since you can't take the same action and back to back turns, planning efficiently is essential to not falling behind. And early on, since there's no interaction between the players possible because nobody has the river walk ability and everyone's kind of confined into their main area unless they build mines early. But
0: You have fo- to get stuff to do. Yeah, Right,
1: exactly. It really is a matter of maximizing that efficiency or else you're going to fall behind, which may impact your overall strategy later to be able to interrupt others' plans to allow you to catch back up. So I do think the meat of the game all comes into... The planning aspect of the game, as well as maximizing your efficiency and trying to stay a step ahead of those that weren't as efficient throughout the game.
0: Right, and you also have to take into consideration that two of the factions can do the exact things that you say don't start the game with. One can do Riverwalk, and one can do the. They can take the exact same thing twice in a row. So. Because of that asymmetric start, you also have to take that into consideration with your planning as well.
1: Totally. And I was making a generality. Oh, but I know. you No, but you bring up a totally fair point right. that if you're not thinking about, oh, wait, they do. And they're mm-hmm. over here to my right or to my left. Do I have to then change what my original plan was going to be? So, again, it all comes back to that. The meat of the game right there is in the planning. Right. So, moving on to luck and random factors. Pre game. You're you're drawing the goal cards and it can give you a you know, potential direction. You have two goal cards and you have to choose one of them, so at least they can give you a little bit of direction. Right. But again, that's pre-game mm-hmm, randomness, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Then the random encounters, but you actually have to actively go after them yeah. and all of them give three options that give you some amount of choice. Right.
0: A really nice one, uh okay one, and a mean one
1: and and by mean you mean sadistic yes and, but really funny it, i agree yeah <laughs> from what i heard that it was jamie himself that came up with those and dude i devious
0: yes when we play we have to make sure that everybody reads the entire all yeah, of them everybody shows yep. off the
1: artwork and all that yep. right so you got the random encounters and then you have the random draw of the combat cards and their value but i feel like that's really almost trivial Yeah, the value of those cards, because usually folks are going to have enough of them to where it becomes a cow's opinion. Right. So I don't feel like the randomness in the game is too much of a factor here, either adding or subtracting to the weight of the game. But what do you think?
0: Yeah, I really the card draws is really the only thing, obviously, because that's the three things that you mentioned. I just lumped them all up together. But they aren't really so super important that you feel at a disadvantage if an opponent draws a quote unquote good card because they're all good.
1: We can't definitively say that all the cards are balanced or some are not stronger than others, but we're talking, again, big picture here. Overall, right. I think it's going to play a minor part, bottom line, right? Correct.
0: Yes, I agree with that. All
1: right. So then we move on to the game length. It feels right for what yeah. it is, right? Yeah, I
0: agree with that. I don't feel like it overstays its welcome or anything like that. I feel like that the amount of time it takes to for someone to win is the perfect amount of time.
1: And not to mention the super quick turns. It yeah. really keeps the pace moving, makes the game move just exceptionally smoothly. Yeah. I mean, it. there's nothing here that contributes to the weight of the game, I don't think, but Mm-mm. it it is shockingly fast turns as long as some nobody's tanking.
0: Right. And it can definitely be like, okay, um, I'm just going to decide where I'm going to place the piece that I'm pulling off. Okay, hang on. Wait, it's my turn again? Wait, I haven't finished yet. I, you know, that's how it feels. Totally.
1: I, I That has happened more than once yeah. when it comes to me. And totally. I don't know if that's
0: just our group because I, I read quite a few um, reviews on BGG whenever I was prepping for the episode. And a lot of people were talking about how slow the turns were. And my thought was... What game
1: were they playing? Exactly.
0: Like, why? I don't understand.
1: Yeah, I, I don't either. Uh-uh. So as far as getting it, what you got...
0: I would say one or two turns, making sure that you can see the process of taking something from the top and moving it to the bottom, you know, producing something, moving, just once you experience all of those things, it's not hard to continue on. It's not like there's more and more and more things that you need to figure out later.
1: Yeah, I agree that it's just a handful of turns that- However, as long as the impact of the popularity track is stressed to new players before the game starts, end game scoring isn't going to be a shock to them then. However, the abruptness of when the end game is triggered, though, still really may Mm -hmm. catch some players unaware. But I think that's a player issue. And that's one of those things that you have to experience. So I don't feel like...
0: Yeah, that's not really necessarily getting it. That is getting how the game scored. Because like you said, but as long as whenever it's being taught to you, you are told, hey, that popularity track is very important because it's going to multiply everything else that you do here. As long as that's stressed, it's fine.
1: So ultimately, the game weight falls in what range, you think? Medium. Yeah, I think it's solid, very squarely mid-weight. All right. So let me me surprise you with something. Okay. So its weight rating on BGG is 3.32 out of 5, which I think is too high for the game. Yeah. W- where would you put it?
0: On BGG scale? Yeah,
1: on a 1 to 5 with 5 being campaign for North Africa and 1 being I have no idea, win, like, lose, or banana.
0: Right. Um. Gosh. Probably like maybe 2.5 or 2.75?
1: I'm thinking... Well, I think it's a little bit higher than that for me. I would right. say it's probably in the 2.8 to point. you know, probably. Okay, three... fine. I
0: didn't realize we were getting that granular. Sure. Okay, my
1: bad. All right. So, yeah, I'd say
0: it's... it's 3.81247. Are you done? I don't know. I'm thinking about, okay, fine. Yeah. All
1: right. So, I'd say 2.8 to 3.0. That's fair. Yeah, that's um, fair. So, just solid midweight yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Moral of the story, right? Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the components and actual, the physical stuff. And, and the prettiness yeah so starting with the components the board I feel like the hexes can get filled with stuff pretty easily especially yeah. when you're uh, mid late game and you're producing just yes. a ton of stuff
0: and whenever you have your your main person in the in the middle of the hex as well that, right because the, mini,
1: the, the minis are pretty big in r- relation to the size of the hexes mm-hmm. however there is the expansion board that helps but that costs extra money. I will say, I felt like it was worth it. You flip the board over and the hexes are...
0: Like double size, right?
1: I, I think so. They're they're monstrous. In a good way, monstrous. They're they're just massive. However, you do have to order... And I want to say it's 10, 15 bucks, somewhere in that range. Thereabouts. Uh, it basically just adds a quarter of the board mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. It, the hexes are so big, they couldn't fit it on. So if you want that extra space, and I recommend it as long as you have a massive table, then... Yeah, absolutely. I think it's worth it. But I feel like it's something that should be pointed out. Yeah. The player boards, as good as it you could ever want.
0: Those player boards alone are unbelievable. They spoil you so that it's a pain to go back to a player board that isn't indented with spaces for your bits. Yeah,
1: they're, they're double layer yeah. player boards. They're amazing. I would love this for, you know, to become the standard, but... You're about to hear why that's unlikely to happen, because I asked Jamie about the amazing player boards that are in this game prior to the review, and here's what he said about them. Quote, from what I've seen, dual-layer player mats cost about three to four times more than regular player mats. Part of it is the additional material cost. You're printing two full player mats instead of just one. The other part is labor, which is twofold. First, someone has to punch out the top layer, removing all of the inner part, the little chits. Second, someone has to glue the top layer to the bottom layer. Those might seem like quick things to do, but compared to just running a sheet of paper through a printer and applying it to a piece of cardboard, it adds a significant labor cost. Also, from the graphic design perspective, it's kind of a nightmare as the graphic designer needs to create three different layers for every mat, end quote. So I totally understand it, but damn if I'm not spoiled now.
0: Yeah, it's so hard to go back to a game that doesn't have those indents. It's just, it's so nice.
1: It really is. So seriously, I have nothing but amazing praise to say about that. And I I don't know about y'all listening, but I personally would... Be Willing to pay a few more extra bucks, and that's what I was that. just
0: about to say. If give me that as an option, and act absolutely, heck yeah, I'll spend how much ever more.
1: Yeah, well, well, you know say what I mean, how, right? Right, right, yeah, 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 relatively speaking, right?
0: The royal, however much, right?
1: Thank you, you're welcome. The minis are all unplanted unpainted plastic but at least to my untrained eye i thought they look good
0: yeah they're they're sculpted very well i mean you can tell what everybody is you know
1: i i love that all the mechs for the different factions are all unique
0: they're all different they're all it's awesome
1: (laughs) some just have legs strapped onto whatever it was and yeah they're all really unique uh as far as faction goes Mm -hmm. faction to faction and i think they look good the minis for the actual leaders look great yeah So, the interesting thing here, though, is they all have an animal with them, like their spirit animal type thing. Right. But that never comes into play Mm -hmm. in the game, ever. No. Anywhere.
0: It's just like filler.
1: Yeah. Oh, this is cool. They have a bear. It's a big bear, but Mm -hmm. the bear does not. It's just, this is your leader. Right. Exactly. Now, normally I wouldn't really care about minis and I. I I don't think it's a stretch to say the same for you. Correct. But since there is a clear distinction between what the workers or the wooden pieces and the leaders and mechs, which are all plastic, the distinction between the materials helps keep clear movement rules and what affects what and what they can do respectively. So I've noticed that that actually is a great way to show new players or to teach Mm -hmm. new players, hey, plastic, this is the rules for that wood this is the rules right. for that and i think that i assume that was an intentional thing but regardless i'm glad it's there because it it really makes that easy to stick in your head
0: uh-huh, it definitely does yeah
1: the resources are great wooden bits they're all mm-hmm. custom kind of uh different resources
0: yeah they're it, yeah it's not just you know a cube is x
1: right which, that would have been fine, oh, but yeah. it definitely went the it, extra mile. It
0: wouldn't go with the rest of the game if the comp- if the resources didn't match the quality of the rest of everything else.
1: That's a fair point. The cards are high quality linen. Mm-hmm. The and board
0: is too, right?
1: I, I believe so. I think so. Even the box is thick and mm-hmm. super sturdy. I think it would stop a 22 slug. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> I just, that's, It's hyperbole, but you get the idea.
0: He has a marine.
1: Moving on to the box size. Pretty good size box. It's four, just under 14 and a half inches by just under 12 inches by just under four inches. So
0: it's not a coffin. Right? No, it's
1: not. It's, it's somewhere in between Agricola size and a coffin. Yeah, yeah. So that's 36 and a half by 30 by 10 centimeters for you folks. Well, everyone that isn't us, and I think it's.
0: It's us and like some other... Myanmar or something. Myanmar or something. Yeah, something like that. Correct us on that, guys. Anyway, move it on. I call it space points. You guys call it centimeters.
1: All right. (laughs) All right. So graphic design. Not artwork, but graphic design.
0: Yes. Very well done. It's spot on. It's very easy to determine the different icons, you know, what everything means. You don't have to continue to look at a player aid.
1: And it's consistent throughout the entire game. However... There is language independence on these. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to the actions, there's a little bit of learning that's required to, okay, what does this mean again? Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Some of it is totally obvious. Like, oh, you get hearts. That's popularity. Or you get the...
0: The bugs, we call them for power.
1: Right. And so once you... And they're clearly marked on the board as well as on the player boards.
0: Everything matches. Right. Right.
1: So even if you don't know what it is, you can just look for the pretty picture. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's that. Exactly. Okay, that's pretty obvious, right? right? Onto the artwork.
0: The art is stunning. There really is. There's no other word for it, in my opinion.
1: I would say that this wins for best artwork in a published game to date, as far as the cards and the box go. Yeah. The end. Game over. Give Jakob the award.
0: Yes, it's amazing.
1: So, I and is it Jakob?
0: I'm going to assume, by the way, it's spelled. Yes. okay,
1: so Jacob Rosalski, <laughs> he's made an incredible world, brought it to life amazingly well, making the time period in this alternate history. It feels like, I mean, it feels like it could be historic in this mm-hmm, world. Mm-hmm. it's It's just stunning. i I, mm-hmm. I think you called that totally right, right there.
0: Yeah, and it, they're they're making a video game in this world, right? Which,
1: yes, sign me up. Yes, please. right. However. I'm not as keen on the board artwork as it's—it's it's a little bit muddied and it's—it's it's just busier. Now it's clear what Hex is what, but the amazing artwork in the rest of the game isn't quite brought through to the board. Okay. Even if there is Thor on the board, that is you know, pretty awesome. There are little, little Easter eggs, eggs yeah. throughout there, so I—I I appreciate that. Overall, amazing presentation mm-hmm. and just wow yeah. on that. Truly wow.
0: Yes. And rulebook clarity and quality, how's that? I think overall
1: it's well done. You can definitely tell that a lot of time went into the readability and the usability of the rulebook. I'm not quite sure why, but there are, when I last looked, 449 rules threads on BGG. Why? I, I... i i don't know it's got to be on the players more so than the game because i don't know that we we may have had a couple of edge case questions or a couple of little clarifications here or there i
0: think in the live stream there was maybe like two or three things that the peanut gallery questioned and we were like oh right yeah we did that wrong sorry but i don't understand yeah
1: i i think that's excessive now a lot of that is talking about the automa which is the solo game oh okay um but I, I, I didn't go page by page right, to look right. at all these. So bottom line, I think it was a pretty solid rule book. I, I, I thought it was fine. I don't think it was exceptional, but it certainly wasn't four hundred and forty-nine threads bad. No. Nowhere anywhere near that. Now normally I'd go into the setup, tear down, teaching, learning, but I'll be honest with the with the live stream of it, go check that out. Yep. Speaking of the setup and teardown of the game, the generous folks over at the Broken Token are offering up one of their custom inserts for Scythe for us to give away to one lucky listener. It features 13 removable token trays, support sleeve cards, yay, and accommodates all current expansions. To enter, go to heavycardboard.com forward slash contest and follow the instructions there. We're going to cut off entries at 12.01 a.m. UTC time on May 8th and announce the winner a couple days later in episode 74. Have fun and good luck. Hi folks, this is Martin Wallace. You're listening to Heavy Cardboard. All right, Amanda. What makes the game enjoyable?
0: If I'm being 1,000% honest. Or
1: or just a 100, because that's all you can be.
0: I suppose. The artwork.
1: First and foremost?
0: Yeah. The artwork is so amazing that even if I didn't like the game even just a little bit, I would want to play it just to see the next card or the next piece, just the next piece of art that would be shoved in my face.
1: I can't argue with that. I mean, it, it, it is amazing artwork, but okay, fair enough. I won't argue with you. <laughs> so it's got, as I mentioned earlier, shockingly quick turns yeah. and kind of like what you were talking about, like, okay, I'm just going to figure out which which to upgrade right wait what do you mean it's my turn again how does that happen (laughs) so for me yeah that that shockingly quick turns Mm -hmm. and it keeps you fully engaged in the game the entire time you're playing it unless somebody is aping which rarely happens now there's a little bit of thought that goes into it and it might not go that fast every time but more often than not it does
0: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i would agree with that and i also like that each faction's player board is sectioned out different like we talked about earlier they also have different mech abilities the, everybody has this two mechs do the same thing everybody else's they have two more that do different things specialized to that faction
1: and depending on what faction you're playing assuming you're not playing the same one every time right you get to try different, you know, asymmetrical Mm -hmm. abilities of that. Totally agree. I think there's a fair amount of meaningful decisions in the game. Absolutely. There I I mean we we hit on a lot of them already as far as the when and how and order in which you're going to gather resources because ultimately that's what you're trying to do to be able to place out your stars to be able to trigger the end of the game. Mm -hmm. Or if you're not trying to trigger the end of the game, you're racing up tracks to be able, uh, especially that popularity track, to get your multiplier higher, so that all the hexes that you have, right. you know, workers on and, and and that you have possession of, that score for you. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel like there's there's meaty, legitimate decisions here to make.
0: Yeah, I I would agree with that.
1: And I I love the mechanic of upgrading your actions in the player board to make him better, stronger, mm-hmm. you know, we can make him faster and stronger. and better. You know. Right. Okay, I'm showing my age there. All right, moving on. <laughs> but no, seriously, that that upgrade mechanic, I, I really, really it's, like that. It's
0: really cool, yeah. It's, it's really, a really cool implementation of, you know, like just being able to make yourself better just in a different way than, you know, maybe other games might right. do. yep. Okay, mechs, like... I, it's like mic drop. I'm done. Like there's mechs in the game.
1: Well, you are, you know, for as, as much as we like our... Let's talk about you. Hold on. <laughs> as much as you enjoy economic games, logistic games, and all this... I
0: like me some dolls and games.
1: Well, not only that, but you like steampunk stuff.
0: Oh, yes. And
1: this is kind of the epitome of steampunk, oh, right? The, these, these mechs mixed with, you know, old world stuff.
0: I'm in heaven. Yes, they are. Yes. Okay. Anyway.
1: We're going to talk about those mechs here when we get to the flip side of this <laughs> from my side, but we'll move on. Okay. So I like that you have to play other players' games as well as your own. And what I mean by that is you have to keep track of where players are as far as their ability to gain and play stars. Or Not really gain, but to be able to play stars, mm-hmm. which triggers the end of the game. As well as you know being able to score points for him it makes it makes you prioritize good actions for you versus hurting a player who may be close to triggering the end of the game if you're not ready so you absolutely have to be fully aware of what everybody else is doing and where they're standing not just oh so-and-so is trying to get more wood because oh I see they're going to upgrade that that upgrade might be their last upgrade yep. for whatever it is. You have
0: to be paying attention.
1: And then maybe they're able to place a star by being able to do that. Mm-hmm. And then on the second half of their action, maybe they're able to move because they have a factory card that allows them to always move. Right. So then they go and initiate combat. And all of a sudden, they were they went from having two stars left to, whoa.
0: Yeah, Oh, the game's just, over.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's all she wrote. Mm-hmm. So you absolutely have to be aware of what other players are doing.
0: And speaking of, you know, star placement and stuff, there are more options than just the six stars you have to obtain to win. You know, like there's not, you have to do this and then 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 this this to get your six stars. You can do different things in different orders and there isn't a set way absolutely to win. You know, there are different paths. You can try different things.
1: I agree with that, but that might cause you to lose the game, which again, we'll talk about that on the flip side here in a minute. So I want to highlight one of the coolest things about this game. And it just on the surface, it seems like such a stupid thing to be excited about. But the fact that you have to keep the resources on the board where they're generated, unless you move them versus just you accumulate them on your tableau Mm -hmm. like most games do. It seems like really such a trivial thing. But by the resources having to stay on the board where they're generated, it makes them vulnerable and it makes them a commodity worth either going after or if you're the one that produced them, protecting them and keeping them near your workers and in hand so that they cannot be stolen. Whereas if they're in your tableau, I don't know of many games that you can just steal from other people's no. you know pile of accumulated resources no i
0: don't i can't think of anything
1: whereas this one it's a it's a viable thing to go and take someone their resources and it may end up setting them back two three four turns Mm -hmm. which then again going back to that being aware of what other players are doing if you set them back all of a sudden maybe you slow the game down to where you weren't ready you needed those couple extra turns to be able to really you know do the coup de grace and this may allow it. So that little thing I think is ingenious. And I, I hope, that other games find a way to implement that one little thing that's such a significant good thing.
0: Yeah, the only other game I can think of that does that is Roads and Boats. Is there? Can you think of anything else?
1: That's the one that jumped to mind mm-hmm. because you nobody owns the resources. Right. Just like this, you own the workers like that create the, the resources. Like basically
0: the land owns the resources. Right,
1: and whoever, whoever claims it, claims it. Right. So I do really, really like that. And it scratches the efficiency game itch because ultimately... That's what this game is. Yep. It's all about efficiency. Again, if you fall off pace in this efficiency game, it can be your death. Now, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. We kind of hit on this earlier when we were talking about the uh, the choices on the on the cards. But I really enjoy the callous nature of the last choice and yes. all the encounter cards. It's just, it's yeah. I I appreciate that. You know, you can be as nasty as you want to be. I feel like it, I mean, it feels balanced and well-tested and extremely well put mm-hmm. together.
0: Very streamlined. Is that a bad thing?
1: No, streamlining is not. It. We'll get there. So getting to the factory, which is that center hex and claiming a powerful factory card, which adds an available action, I think is, is really, I appreciate that it's forcing interaction and forcing to bring players into the center and gives them a very good enticement to come and instead of just turtling over in their one little area and that's that which is a viable you can't you don't have to have combat in this game
0: no you don't have to
1: however that factory and the available cards that it and special abilities that it gives plus It counts as three hexes at the end of the game, Mm -hmm. which potentially can be a a significant amount of points.
0: Yeah. It's so, it's, you know, you want to run for the shiny because it's so, the card that you can get is so awesome. And each one of the factory cards move is always an option. And that can be very important, especially if you're one of the factions that combat allows you to get more than the two stars normally, because you can just keep moving and keep attacking.
1: Totally agree. And it's all about being able to plan out those actions like we touched on earlier, right? Yep.
0: All right. So we've gone over the stuff that's good about the game and that makes it enjoyable. So what is there not to like about it?
1: Well, first off, it becomes a race game. Yeah. Kind of a game of chicken. If you don't think you're winning, it it's all a matter of trying to not let the game end and keep players from doing that, whereas... I've seen as many as three stars get put down on one player's turn Mm -hmm. to where if they're poised for it, if they race for the end, if you But again, as long as you're paying attention, in theory, you should be able to control that or at least influence
0: it. Right. But I want the game to be decided on decisions made, not how fast I was able to run up the power track or how fast I was able to. When to combat missions,
1: I mean, you made the decisions to do those things, though, didn't you?
0: I suppose. But just my thinking is what if the other person's starting faction, you know, the way that they start gives them a little bit of a leg up on x, y, or z? Yeah, that fair I mean, point. I like that there's an asymmetric start and that not all the player boards are identical. But that does add to the fact of the randomness and the luck factor, you know, pre-game that, we, we are not always a fan of, you know, over here at Heavy Cardboard.
1: Sure. What about player action, or player interaction, I should say? I there's,
0: feel like it's multiplayer solitaire. I mean, there's just the slightest interaction with combat, but it's multiplayer solitaire.
1: It's definitely very little interaction. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to what uh, I wanted to talk about when you were gushing over the mechs. Right. They are cool looking, mm-hmm. but I feel like oh, we're going to include max. Well, if we include these, then we have to include combat. Well, the problem here is that the combat's oversimplified. It's more or less the threat of combat is yeah. much more prevalent than the combat itself until late game to where players just use combat to be able to place their stars and boom, yeah. get that done. Like- Unless you're the one faction that you know you can place multiple stars, then you can be more of a kind of warmonger.
0: Right. The combat isn't very combat
1: no, I, it's just, it becomes trivial. Who's going to win? Oh, you're higher on the combat track? Exactly. The, uh, I'm the sorry, power the power track? track. Mm-hmm. Usually players are going to have enough of the cards mm-hmm. to where they both play a max card if you want. And okay, you sacrifice your power, you drop down the track, but it's a super easy way to place a star. Right,
0: there's there's very little consequence for losing a battle. Um, You
1: don't lose anybody that you just kind of go back to... your starting area Mm -hmm. and 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 that's that's it it. there's just yeah there's no it's it's combat with kid gloves and that's it it feels like it's a kindler gentler oh yeah that's, that's not at all what i feel like there should be some sort of consequence here and it's it's if there's no consequence then what's the point of it being in the game
0: right and i can understand you know if you are one hex away from the factory and you've worked really hard to get there and you lose a battle and you have to go all the way back to your start. Sure, that's a consequence, but more of a consequence would be that you lost all of the workers that you took with you. You go down, all, you know, like all the way to the end of the power track, you know, or something else.
1: Speaking of which, if you're the attacker, right, and you go onto a location that has workers, you do lose popularity because those workers right. get punted back. But is that enough of a punishment? And and I I just don't see a big downside.
0: I don't either. I feel like it's if you are on the, you know, like on the teetering edge of almost being at like level three in, in popularity, you're not going to want to go in rush into a hex to lose that to where you have to go back even farther.
1: And it gives the other player a star.
0: Right. Yes, exactly. It can be hard if you have a faction that you aren't comfortable with how it must be played like what we've been talking about, that one of the factions could be very combat focused and it's Saxony. And the reason why they're so combat focused is because you aren't limited on the number of stars you can earn from combat or, you know, objectives. Normally it's two. Right. Um, but if you're more of a passive player, that ability is lost on you. I mean, in our live stream, Matt was Saxony. Matt is not a warmonger.
1: He, he's a lover, not a fighter. Exactly,
0: And so it's, it's, it made it difficult for him to, play the game properly the way that a Saxony player should be playing it.
1: And on that note, you are pigeonholed a bit in the strategy that you have to follow based on what not only what what faction you are, but the the random player board. Exactly. That is going to dictate what you should do. If you deviate from that, you're actually already behind in the game if the other players follow and play well. And so I feel like There's just not a lot of emergent gameplay from that because Mm -hmm. of the fact that you have to follow this path. So when you were talking about, you know, you can try this or you can try that, I would argue that no, you can't. If you do, you're screwed. You're not going to win. That's
0: a valid point. And I most likely misspoke there. But what I what I was thinking when I was prepping was you can try different factions.
1: That's fair. But every faction Well, I shouldn't say every faction, every player board that those are the randomly assigned to the different factions. You absolutely have to follow what that board... I say absolutely like I'm an expert at this game. That is not the case. We've played the game six, seven times. But as you get better, you can definitely see that it has an inherent advantage built in if you follow the path that... It's laid out for you. So in theory, if the other players are following that leg up, given what their boards are, are saying they should do, then you're handicapping yourself if you do not. So there's not a whole lot of me thinking to myself, oh, I really want to try this strategy. Well, I can only try that really if I have that board that accommodates that. And so I feel like there's just not a, a ton of replayability in that respect because there's just no emergent gameplay. Right. Here's your path. Before the game starts, this is what you should do. Now go yeah, run. Now go and try and be efficient mm-hmm. in doing that.
0: Yeah. So I feel like once once you've played each faction, kind of done.
1: Or even if you wanted to explore it a couple times. But again, I mean, if you're getting eight to ten plays out of a it's game, still is, pretty that, good. Is, is that enough? That's up to everybody to make their own right, decision. Right, right. But I'm just saying there's just... it It's capped at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we talked about Riverwalk earlier. That river crossing impediment early in the game, at least for all but one faction. Right, right. It feels like it's an artificial block put in place to keep players from being able to rush one another. For those warmongers out there that want to go and attack, you can't. Yeah, that's and true. And why? Right. It's just there because... Oh, hey, let's, and I'm not saying this is the reason for it, but I could see players thinking, why can't I? One of the factions, that's one of their special abilities. So is that why it's there to make a special ability? Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It just, it feels like an artificial block that, that, again, kid gloves.
0: Yeah. And the map is so big that I don't think I'd want to play it with less than four. I mean, I can't imagine how open and massive the board is, you know, with less players than four. And it's already multiplayer solitaire. It'd be like playing a solo game, but having a friend also playing a solo game on the other side of the table.
1: And and that's exactly the case, depending on what factions you're choosing. It could be you
0: way over there. Right, exactly. Hey, it's your turn. Exactly. That's how it would feel, I would think.
1: Right. So we've now come to my number one con, I guess, okay. of the game. All right. You asked me earlier, is streamlining a bad thing? And I said, not necessarily. However, I feel like all the rough edges have com- been completely trimmed off and that it's too streamlined and too balanced. It feels like it just, it loses a piece of its soul because of it. It's just, it's so smooth and so streamlined that there's just no, you can't use a lot of creativity here. I, I, I've I never thought, oh, this would be clever. Let me do this. It's just there isn't that that flexibility in the game because it's all those rough edges have been trimmed off. And I really feel like those rough edges, maybe not a ton, but having some gives a game its character and they're just not present here. All right. You want to start with your summary or me?
0: I always want to go first because I never can follow your summaries. In preparation for this review, I looked at quite a few of the BGG rankings and comments, and it was so interesting to see the gamut from rating it a 1 to a 10. The 1 rankings were pretty much either ranting about Stonemeyer games in general, or how this game stole this or that from another game, and the 10s were everything from best game ever to being it, it being an absolute masterpiece. And my feelings on the game are somewhere in the middle. Scythe is a game that, while beautiful, brings nothing to the table newness-wise. And that makes me sad because I really wanted to like this game more than I do, even if simply for the art.
1: Scythe has a lot going for it. Amazing artwork, top-notch production, and an extensively play-tested design. But it somehow misses the mark overall. It falls into this weird in-between space, regardless of which side you're coming from. If you come from the Euro side of things, you have a really well-developed efficiency game that has some cool, enjoyable mechanisms that ultimately just end up being... Fine. If you come from the Ameritrash side, combat's unfulfilling, it leaves you wanting more substance, but ultimately reverts back to that, fine, efficiency euro. I've said a number of times, and I just said it, that there is such a thing as overdeveloping a game where the rough edges get trimmed off so smoothly that the character of the game is lost in the process. It feels like that's the case here. Ultimately, Scythe ends up as a gorgeous game on a pile of games. All right, moving on to the rating. So we rate on a one to six scale where one is burn it with fire. Damn you if you ever just give that game away. Shame on you. <laughs> a two is it's not the game's fault. It's a me thing. It's just not my cup of tea. a T. three is it has some good stuff, but ultimately falls a little flat. A four. Hey, that's a really good game. Really enjoying that. A five. That's an amazing game. We're going to own that. A six. It's a Hall of Famer. Just, just give it its its coat and put it in Canton, that type thing. So for me, Scythe ends up being a three. It's possible that the expansions address some, maybe even many of the downsides of the game that I have. So we'll have to wait and see. But as the base game, I rated a three on a one to six.
0: I rated it as a three as well. I had a little bit of difficulty with this. It was either a three or a four. And as we always say, if you're teeter-tottering, then it's going to be the lower because you can't fight for it to be the higher. So I ultimately rate Scythe a three.
1: So thanks to Jamie for the review copy. We really appreciate it. And that's Scythe. So we're definitely interested in y'all's feedback, both technically as well as the review. We're curious what your thoughts on the game are. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Have at it. Come let us know at the guild, email us, wherever.
0: Tweet, whatever. Just, we want your feedback and we want, you know, to start a dialogue. So we want to know how you guys feel about it.
1: Yeah. Tell us your experience with Scythe. Yeah. And with that, we'll catch you all next week. Until then, keep gaming. Later, y'all. We just drafted Taco Charlton. That was one of the guys, yes.
0: A guy named Taco? And not
1: the first Taco ever drafted. The Seahawks drafted Taco Wallace in the seventh round 2003 draft, and he played four games, had zero catches. Taco? Taco.
0: Okay.
1: I want some Mexican food now. I know, I'm hungry again. Seriously.
0: Dang it.